What's up? Welcome to the Danny Picard Show, Thursday, June 18th, 2015. As always, broadcasting from the Beantown Athletic Studio in Dorchester, Massachusetts. And as always, today is a Violent Gentleman Thursday. Every Thursday, a Violent Gentleman Thursday. Make sure you go to violentgentleman.com right now to order some of the hottest t-shirts, hoodies, hats, and accessories on the sports scene. From the ice to the octagon, from the ring to the field, Violent Gentleman honors the fight, the art, the opponent, and the sport. VioLentGentleman.com. And today's Violent Gentleman segment was with Anaheim Ducks forward Nate Thompson. I caught up with Nate Thompson over the phone. I talked with him earlier today, and uh, I'll play that conversation with you in just a few minutes. As you know, Nate Thompson and the Anaheim Ducks, they lost to the Chicago Blackhawks in the Western Conference Finals. And as you also know, the Chicago Blackhawks ended up going on to win the Stanley Cup. They actually defeated Nate Thompson's old team, the Tampa Bay Lightning, in the Cup Final. And uh, it's a good conversation because it gives you a little insight into what it's like playing with the type of injury that Nate Thompson played with, right? Uh, Nate Thompson had two tears in his labrum that he suffered in the final game of the regular season. He missed the first round in which they swept the Winnipeg Jets. The Ducks swept the Winnipeg Jets. And Nate Thompson returned for the second round uh, against the Flames in which they beat the Flames and also played in the Western Conference Finals against the Chicago Blackhawks. But he acknowledges that there are players in other sports that don't necessarily play through the same type of injuries. And I'm not usually one of these guys that, you know, goes on the rants about, oh, he's in the, look at these NHL players playing with these serious injuries and in the process knocking guys in other sports. But I did, you know, there was one story that did come up that I, I you know, I thought was was interesting because Kevin Love, we know, um, dislocated his shoulder, right? Torn labrum. Uh, and, and he missed some time only to have surgery right away. And in a similar injury, and maybe even an injury that was worse than his, Nate Thompson, I'll, I'll let you listen to the conversation because it's pretty clear that, you know, he played with an injury in a contact sport that's, that was more severe than what Kevin Love was dealing with. And during, during the time that Kevin Love decided to have surgery, I, you know, fine. I, but, I, but I made it clear. He was having surgery because his thought process was, was focusing on next season. And if he's going to opt out, he's going to opt out and want to sign a, a max contract, right? Uh, not a contract in which a team looks and says, you're going to be out for the first half of next season. That's what would have happened if Kevin Love decided to wait it out and gave himself a shot to play in the NBA Finals. I mean, if he waited out, I mean, doctors will tell you, based on the timetable, if Kevin Love waited that out, there was a possibility he could have played in the NBA Finals. NBA Finals, absolutely. So, you know, that's just being realistic. And when you're realistic like that, it's brought up. It's sort of the elephant in the room. And I had to ask Nate Thompson about that, who's a hockey player who played in the Cup Finals, who, 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 you know, and again, I'll let you listen, but he played with a very severe shoulder injury. And uh, we also talked about the Stanley Cup, what it's like to watch the celebration, the Cup celebration. I already knocked the NBA for that yesterday. I'm not going to sit here and knock the NBA that much because I, I'm an NBA guy. I love the NBA. I told you how great the NBA Finals were, and I told you I was actually rooting for LeBron James because so many people did not want to acknowledge what he was doing. 
with the team that he had, without Love, without Irving. But uh, some good stuff from Nate Thompson. Uh, I caught up with him over the phone earlier. I'll play that for you in just a few minutes. I mentioned that the Ducks lost to the Blackhawks in the Western Conference Finals, and the Blackhawks went on to win the Cup. Well, the Chicago Blackhawks were celebrating with the Cup today. They they are celebrating with it right now. Uh, Parade Day in Chicago. They also went to Soldier Field, held a rally. They're all jacked up about their third cup in six years. I just love looking at the Stanley Cup. I do. It's, and as you know, if you've listened to me the last couple shows, it's the best trophy in sports. It's the toughest trophy to win in sports. And I will forever, I will forever be obsessed with the Stanley Cup and depressed with the fact that I'll never win it, as I expressed uh, to Nate Thompson on this phone conversation that you'll hear in just a bit. But uh, last night, what was going on last night? We, you know, we don't have any more hockey. We don't have any more NBA basketball. Um, You got baseball right now. You know, I'm not a football minicamp guy. I'm not going to get into the mandatory minicamp talk. We're more focused here in New England, or at least I think we are, at least I am, more focused on the Tom Brady appeal hearing that's going to take place on June 23rd. Now, it's June 18th right now. So we'll look forward to that next week. Until we get to then, you know, what's the NFL storylines here? What are we actually looking at? I am not one that is, that is obsessed with the NFL 365 days a year. I'm not. The NFL is a league that loves itself more than I've ever seen a league love itself. And for that reason, they are trying to make their sport 24-7, 365. I don't really enjoy that. So... When it's football season, I'm all for it. Right now, in June, mid to late June, the sun's out. The weather's beautiful. It's 125 degrees in this studio here today. You cannot hear me. You, maybe you can. If you hear like a little thump on the mic, it's the, it's the drops of sweat coming off my forehead onto the microphone today. I get this little fan in front of me that's just fucking brutal. But, um... It's all right. We got most of the show out of the way with Nate Thompson calling in earlier as part of the violent gentleman segment. What was on last night? We were focused on baseball, right? And I get that my audience isn't just a Red Sox, isn't Red Sox fan base. I understand that. But you also got to understand where deep down inside my passion lies in the months of June and July, once the cup is given out, once the Larry O'Brien trophy in the NBA is given out. You know, of course, you got the, you'll have the NBA draft sprinkled in. You'll have the NHL draft sprinkled in. We had some golf tournaments. The U.S. Open. The U.S. Open began today, right, underway at Chambers Bay. Tiger Woods, Jordan Spieth won't tee off till later on. Though by the time you listen to this, maybe they already teed off. Uh, so I'll break down day one of the U.S. Open tomorrow. So we'll have that to watch a little bit later today. Uh, but, you know, baseball. You know, I'm all in on Major League Baseball. And if you don't want to sit here and talk about scandals anymore, which is the St. Louis Cardinals, you know, and Houston Astros, the Cardinals hacking into the Astros system, I, to be honest with you, I, I, don't, I don't think we know enough specifics as to what they were actually getting. I see, here's what I need to, I need to know. Look, you can't do that. You can't hack into anyone's systems. Um, I, I don't care if it's sports. I don't care if it's fucking community centers, right? Competing community centers. I, you can't do that. That's illegal. That's, you know, the, it's a privacy issue. That's where the FBI gets involved. And I, I, I think 
you know, this Astros-Cardinals hacking investigation by the FBI, it goes beyond baseball. But if you want to look at it in, you know, a baseball light, I guess you could say, but here's the deal. I need to know what the Cardinals ended up getting off of the Astros. You can't do it. It's illegal. It's a scandal. I need to know what they were getting off the Astros. Um, and I don't think we know that, right? Or at least I haven't seen it. And I know people want people here in New England. And I think rightfully so. They would like to see someone like ESPN get a little bit more fired up with with this investigation. Because ESPN went balls to the wall with deflategate coverage. I mean, they would deflategate all day, every day. ESPN loved deflategate. Now, when you don't see any coverage on ESPN about this you know, FBI investigation into the St. Louis Cardinals hacking into another organization's systems. When you don't see any coverage, it starts to make you think, well, maybe ESPN didn't love to flakeate. Maybe they just love to hate the Patriots, right? I, honestly, and I'm not somebody that sits here and, and will cry foul every day when somebody hates the Patriots. I just sort of accept it based on the fact that people are always going to hate the best. They're going to hate the best, much like a lot of people hate LeBron James. He's the best. You know, people are going to hate on the best. And when there's an organization, a team, or a player that continues to win, right, when when your city or your team cannot, then what happens? There's a jealousy factor. Jealousy over an extended period of time turns into hate, turns into legitimate hatred. And I, I think that's part of the, what we saw with the flakegate. Not just on ESPN, but around the country, fan bases, fans, doesn't matter. That's what happened. You know, do people sit there and, and do, they, do they hate the Astros? Do they hate the Cardinals? No. I mean, the Cardinals have been a very successful organization. There's no question. I think you might have, you might have some fan bases in their division, in the NL Central. You know, you might Pittsburgh Pirates fans, Chicago Cubs fans, Cincinnati Reds, Milwaukee Brewers fans. Those fans might hate the St. Louis Cardinals. But on a national scale, you, I mean, you know, the Cardinals do it because they're a team and they always seem to have pitching. But they don't really, they don't have the poster boy of greatness on that team. You get what I'm saying? The Patriots have the poster boy of greatness in Tom Brady. And, and people are going to hate the poster boy of greatness. Much like in the NBA, the poster boy of greatness is LeBron James. People hate LeBron James. Um, it, it happens. It's going to happen. And, you know, this Cardinal scandal, I think people here in New England, and rightfully so, they want some more coverage on this based on the fact that this is a scandal and it's actually an FBI investigation where, where ESPN went balls to the wall on something that, at the end of the day, was about air pressure in a football. Right? Air pressure in a football. Stupid. Non-issue. But they attacked it. And they're not really attacking this story. And, but at the same time, I will, I will be fair to ESPN. I don't know that, at least me personally, what I see on this story, I need more information. And maybe ESPN's trying to get it. Maybe they're digging. I, I don't know. 
Let's give him let's give him some time here. Let's not jump all over ESPN yet. Let's see what happens with this. I need some more. What, like, what did the Cardinals get from the Astros? Right? Like, what did they get? I, I don't know. I really don't. I know they were hacking into the systems, but I mean, were they reading the, the emails of the owner's secretary who was talking about charity events? Like, I don't... Right? Or were they looking into scouting reports um, that the Astros had and how they were building some of their, or- their organization with some young kids, looking at who they were going to take in the draft? And, I, you know, I looking at... I have no idea. I don't know what they were getting off them. I need to know the information. If it's out there, I just missed it. I, I, I won't lie to you. I don't care that much about it. I don't. I really don't. Because... The Cardinals, while they've been winning, you cannot convince me they've been winning because they've been watching the Astros. Sure, the Astros this season, here in the American League now, AOS, they're 11 games above 500, and they're in first place, ahead of the Rangers, Angels, Mariners, and A's. But I don't think that many people saw this coming this season. I think people looked at the Astros and said, hey, they have a lot of up-and-coming young top picks Young, very good prospects in baseball. It's only a matter of time till some of these kids come up, break through, and lead this team to be a pretty successful organization for a handful of years, maybe longer. I don't know that anybody expected it to look like this right now, okay? In fact, I'm willing to bet that there was nobody on ESPN that thought that. There was nobody on MLB Network that thought this. There was nobody at Fox Sports, Major League Analyst, that thought this. There was nobody on NBC, Comcast Sports, nobody thought the Astros would be, here we are, mid to late June, Astros in first place by two and a half games over the Rangers, by five and a half games over the Angels, by eight and a half games over the Mariners, and by ten and a half games over the A's. Nobody thought that. Nobody. Um, so, you can't, but before this season, the reason nobody thought that is because the Astros sucked. They've been brutal. So if the Cardinals have been stealing information off the Astros and you think it's been helping them to win, I need to ask you, well, what have the Astros been doing the last couple years, handful of years, while the Cardinals were winning? What were the Astros doing that helped the Cardinals win? Nothing. Nothing. They weren't doing anything. In fact, the Astros would be doing everything to show the Cardinals how to lose. Right? So that's why I really don't care about this. I don't think it gave the Cardinals an A. Now, you might be able to say, hey, uh, in the next couple of years, how do the Cardinals use the information that they got? But then again, that's where it comes back to, I need to know all the information that, that they ended up getting. I don't know what they got. You know, did they get the lunch schedule of the old owner? Did they get the dinner menu of, of you know, I, what, were they, what happened? What information did they get? It's really not something that I've thought about too much. Because I want to give credit where credit is due to the St. Louis Cardinals and why they've been such a good team. It's because they've always been able to pitch. They've always been able to pitch. Okay? Always. Cardinals are in first place in the NL Central. And it's because um, they are a very good baseball team based on the players that they have and the production they're getting on those players. Not what the information they've been getting from the Houston Astros um, the last couple seasons. Uh, we'll move on from that one. But Major League Baseball, if we're going to put our focus and attention on that, I need to put my focus and attention on 
the Boston Red Sox because you know that's where my heart is. Now, last night, the Red Sox lost in Atlanta 5-2. to two. Lost in Atlanta 5-2. to two. And in any other season, any other season, last night's game in this loss, you know, Joe Kelly on the mound, um, five innings, five hits, allowed two runs, walked three, only struck out three, threw 103 pitches, didn't let up any home runs. Again, two runs in five innings. You lose this game five to two in Atlanta. You know, you don't have David Ortiz in the lineup. Um, any other season, this five to two loss last night, the way it went down, the way it happened, you know, some frustrating hits getting through the infield for the Braves. Joe Kelly wasn't terrible. You know, I think he will call it, we'll call it decent. We'll call it a decent outing from Joe Kelly. It's not something I really consider and complain about, though. I, I will say this. Joe Kelly in his last couple starts, he, he you know, he's had chances to try and, and do everything he can to preserve a lead. The Red Sox have been like that. Um, it's been during that seven game losing skid. Last night, you know, Kelly only let up two runs, but he lost two one run leads. And he did it in the same inning that the Red Sox scored their runs in the top of the inning. Like the Red Sox and actually Joe Kelly helped them to the first run. He was safe on an infield single. Hanley Ramirez scored from third. A nice hustle from Joe Kelly, right? Socks up one nothing, But then in the fourth, you know, he lets up uh, a one-run single to Pedro Siriaco. And it ties the game at one. Then in the sixth inning, Mike Napoli with the home run. Good to see him swinging a bat well, or at least taking a nice hack and getting a good piece of that and at least that one at bat last night, right? Um, Napoli hits the home run, puts the Red Sox, gives them another one-run lead, 2-1 to one, in the sixth. Bottom of the sixth, you know, Pedro Siriaco, RBI single through to the left side of the infield, game tied at two. Game tied at two. Uh, frustrating stuff, I get it. But at the same time, you know, you blow two one-run leads. I've said this about this Red Sox team this season, and, and I said it on WEI the other night. I said it on this podcast every day. You can get it at dannypicard.com, iTunes, really anywhere that you can get a podcast. I'm here every weekday. Uh, you can listen whenever you want. Everything's on demand. That's what a podcast is. But I say it all the time. Whether it's this show and the other station that I'm on on the weekends and WEI, it's that, you know, people ask me, can the Red Sox turn this thing around? You know, they had a big win the other night against the Braves. It was a 9-4. to four. You got pitching from Wade Miley. You got timely hitting. Uh, you got Brock Holt hitting for the cycle. And they say, well, it's a nice win. Yeah, but it's, it's not the type of win that convinces me the Red Sox are back. Or, or the Red Sox are going to turn this thing around. Here's how I'm, I would be convinced that the Red Sox would turn anything around. It would be if you can string together a couple, win, a couple games in which, like last night, you get a one nothing lead. All right, you blow that once, and they tie it at one. You get a huge hit from Mike Napoli in the sixth. It's a home run. You're begging for that type of hit from Napoli. It's only a one-run home run, but it's two to one, right? You're begging. You're absolutely begging for the Red Sox to hold on to that one-run lead 
after the big Mike Napoli hit and win that game 2-1, to one, right? Maybe add an insurance run later, but even if you don't, you have another one-run lead. Win that game 2-1, to one, right? What's the problem with that? Why can't you win that game 2-1 to one last night? And if you could string together a couple 2-1 to one wins, 3-1 to one wins, 3-2 to two wins, in games in which you could show me you can pitch, and you are sure, you're not scoring eight runs. You're not ripping the ball around the ballpark all night. But you can come up with a couple big hits, like the Napoli home run to break a 1-1 tie in the sixth inning last night. And you can hold on to that one-run lead. To do something like that, three out of four games or four out of five games, you'll then convince me that maybe this is a team that's, will, that's ready to turn it around. But, you know, they can't do that. This team cannot win those games. You, then they can't hold on to the one-run lead. That's a problem. They lose one-run leads multiple times in a game, more than I've seen Red Sox team do that. So it's tough to watch. But also at the same time, in any other season, the way some of those Atlanta runs were scored last night, you'll lose this game 5-2. In any other season, in a successful season, or a season in which, you know, a lot of us haven't already called them dead, which they are at nine games out of first place, 11 games under 500 here on June 18th. In any other season, last night's loss is one that we can stomach, we can swallow, accept it, and move on, right? Say, all right, let's go get him tomorrow night. But this, you know, this isn't any other season. This is a season in which the Red Sox right now are brutal, and people are looking for changes. Last night, John Farrell was ejected in this game. I need, I still need to see more replays of the Syriaco check swing. The ones I saw, he did. It did look like he went. Right, it looked like he went. They said he didn't. They said he checked his swing. I don't. I, I need to see more replays of it. They didn't show it to me. Uh, not at the angles that I wanted to see, at least. But still, John Farrell's been trying to get kicked out for like eight games, and he hasn't been able to do it. He even tried to get kicked out earlier in that game last night, and he couldn't do it. Uh, But when you're yelling at the dugout, when you can't get ejected by running out to the field, here's how you do it. You start yelling at umpires about things from the dugout nonstop. And that's what John Farrell did, and he got ejected. And, you know, it's not like it spark this team in any way shape or form but at the same time heck I think if you're John Farrell I think if you asked him seriously when you get a one nothing lead on the road then you get a two to one lead on the road being that Napoli hit don't you wish I mean look it's okay to be able to win that game last night two to one and in fact if you have a two to one lead through six you know I don't rule out that you take. You still have this. There's not as much pressure on your offense as if there was. You know, you were playing from behind in the seventh and eighth inning. Because in the seventh they scored when Atlanta went up three two, then they went up four two. In the eighth they went up five two. Yeah, there's there's a lot of pressure on you there, and then you got to face their closer. So you just you're putting yourself in a tougher situation when you keep letting up and and surrendering those one-run leads. If you had a 2-1 to one lead in the 8th last night, it's a different game. And there's, pro- there's less pressure on your offense, and maybe you do get that third run. Make it 3-1. to one. But, you know, when you keep giving up the one-run lead, 
right? Just keep giving that away. You have a one-run lead? Not anymore. Napoli, huge home run. Two to one, Sox. Uh, we're going to give that give that up. Give that away. Next half inning. That's just what this Red Sox team does. And I've, you know, I'll be honest with you. I didn't watch last night's game live. I didn't. I had a nice little day yesterday. Did the show. Had the show here yesterday. Um, went home. Went to the gym. Sunny out. Got a little street hockey here in Southie. Played for hours. Beautiful night. Went to Sully's. Got something to eat. It's a free plug for Sully's. Am I going to get some free shit next time? Probably not. Um, And then, you know, I, 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 I. I almost went home and turned on the Red Sox game. Instead, you know what we did? Got a couple beers, went out in the backyard, enjoyed the beautiful weather, and didn't watch. I DVR'd it, though. Um, I'm a sucker. You know, I, I, keep, I do have to keep going back. But I, and I did, so I did watch it. I was up very late watching the DVR'd version. After a couple beers in the back porch, sun goes down, you stay out there for a bit, you know, 10 o'clock rolls around. It's a lot quicker to watch a DVR version of the game, fast forward through commercials, fast forward through some other things that you got going on there, you know, and, and it's quicker to watch. So I was done watching by about 1 a.m., but it just goes to, so I'm not, I, I'm not completely done watching yet, but I'm just letting you know where I stand, like, I'm diehard, and... I don't usually do the DVR shit. Like, I need to be up and watching the game. Last night, here's where I stand. I didn't need to be watching that game live. I wasn't on Twitter. I didn't get updates as to what was going on. And I just didn't give a fuck. I just didn't care. I just didn't care. Now, I obviously had DVR'd it. And I just told you I watched the entire game. Because there's still a little part of me that ultimately did does care. But at the time, live, I didn't need to know. I didn't need to know. And in fact, I knew that they were not going to turn that that win the other night, 9-4 to with Miley on the mound against Atlanta. They got the, the, the cycle from Brock Holt. I just knew that this team was not going to turn this thing around. I just knew it. I just knew that they were not going to turn this thing around. And... The reason I know that is because they've already had multiple opportunities this season to turn this stuff around, and they haven't done it, right? Like, it's not like the other night against Atlanta was the first time that this team showed signs of life and had a win that was pretty big. I mean, you know, I know they're 11 games under 500, but they've won 28 games. This team's had some big moments. They've had things that they've done that are positive that they've been able to rally behind. Excuse me, that they should have been able to rally behind and then have not rallied behind it. So, and you can go back recently. You've had two moments now. Oakland, that comeback win, that Sunday in Fenway, first series sweep of the season. What happens? How do you respond? You lose seven straight. You get a huge win the other night. Two nights ago, how do you respond? You lose 5-2 last night in Atlanta. And tonight, I'll talk more about tonight. Tonight's Buck Holt Shelby Mill. Uh, I'll give you a little preview on that in just a few minutes. I know, I've gone on a little rant. Sorry. i got to play the segment with uh, Nate Thompson right now because it's part of the Violent Gentleman Thursdays. Nate Thompson joined me over the phone earlier today. 
and uh, we talked everything from his injury to watching the Stanley Cup final, the Cup celebration, and uh, he even told an interesting story about a friend of his in another sport and how he really gives it to him about players in other sports missing time with some eye-rolling injuries. I don't even know if you could call it the story he gave. I don't even know if you could call it an injury. But um, here's the conversation I had with Nate Thompson. Stick around. I'll close out the show uh, with some dots on tonight's Red Sox game uh, and a little preview to that. Stick around after this. All right, joining me now over the phone is Anaheim Ducks forward Nate Thompson. This conversation brought to you by Violent Gentlemen. Make sure you go to violentgentlemen.com today to order some of the hottest T-shirts, hoodies, hats, and accessories on the sports scene from the ice to the octagon, from the ring to the field. Violent Gentlemen honors the fight, the art, the opponent, and the sport. Violentgentlemen.com. And once again, I bring in Anaheim Ducks forward Nate Thompson. Nate, what's going on? How you doing today? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. Uh, how you feeling right now? Just had, what, surgery on the shoulder a week ago? Is that correct? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a week today. So, uh, I, you know, I, I'm actually feeling pretty good. Um, you know, I, I thought it was going to be a little bit worse with pain and everything, but uh moving around pretty good. I'm, you know, I, I've already started rehab, so uh, I, I feel like I'm ahead of the game. Ahead of the game. All right, so let me make sure I got this right, though. Two tears in the labrum of the left shoulder, five to six months recovery. Is that what we're looking at right now? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I, I always – Look at the time as just a number. Um, you know, I always look at it as, you know, I guess if I can heal faster, I'll heal faster and, you know, come back quicker. But at the same time, you know, you got to be smart too. You know, you don't want to re injure something like this and uh, you want to heal right. So, um, yeah, that's the, that's the diagnosis. And you injured this, you injured the shoulder, you tore the labrum in the last game of the regular season, right? Yeah, that's right. I, uh, I, dislocated my shoulder uh the very last game and uh that's when i i tore the labor when i did that what is and you missed the first round of the playoffs where you guys swept the winnipeg jets but you returned for the second round you played against uh calgary you played against the blackhawks in the western conference finals bring bring me into the process here of of what it's like returning with such a serious injury because i mean i always have this conversation about players in other sports with injuries and you see guys maybe in other sports not playing through them. In the Stanley Cup playoffs, it's amazing to me to see what type of injuries guys are playing through. You know, when, when, when their season is over, we find out all the stuff. We find out, you know, the, the extent of your shoulder and you played through that. Take me into the process of the conversation, I guess, you have with your team, teammates, uh, trainers. When you suffered this injury and when you thought you would return, what, what is that conversation like? Uh, you know, I think the first the first thing that comes to mind, I think when uh, what your when injury happened is uh, my my first mindset is, okay, when can I play again? Uh, I want to play, and I don't want to miss the playoffs. And uh, you know, talking to trainers and coaches, and and uh, you know, and every, you know, and everybody having a conversation was, uh, well, let's see, you know, it was literally we were kind of going from day to day, just just to see how I feel and. Uh, it was almost kind of a, a blessing in a way that we did sweep Winnipeg because it kind of gave me some you know, some extra time. You know, I mean, if the series was a little bit different, maybe I would have jumped in there. But 
uh, you know, it, it worked out, but as soon as the Calgary season starts, you know, as soon as the Calgary series started, um, you know, there's no way I was missing any more hockey. And, uh, you know, I was pretty eager to play. I mean, it's kind of like a playoff. So, you, you know, you want to do whatever it takes to play. And I mean, was surgery an option for you right away? Like did, did your doctors see the shoulder and say, wow, you know, you, you could have surgery right now. And, and is that a situation where they offer that and you deny it and, and say, let's, let's see how, what we can do to keep playing or, or was that not an option? Yeah. I mean, it, I knew I was going to have to have surgery. So, you know, in that sense, I was thinking, uh, you know, I might as well play, you know, I, I might as well play through it. Uh, but, it, you know, that was the option of not playing and, and getting surgery. But, uh, for me, it wasn't an option because I wanted to play and I wanted to help my team and I wanted to you know, do whatever I can to, uh, you know, to play in the playoffs. So, um, it was one of those things where I knew I was going to have to have surgery. It was, you know, it was inevitable, but, uh, I knew that I could play through it at the same time. Yeah. Listen, I mean, I admire that. I mean, you look around the Stanley cup playoffs and you see all these guys with these serious injuries and, and, you know, I, I'm sitting here behind a mic and, and I'm saying, wow, you know, some, I missed a show when I was sick one day. You know, these guys are jumping in. you got a torn labrum. They're telling you you need surgery. You're ending up playing in the second round in the Western Conference Finals. Uh, do you notice Do you notice guys in other sports sit out with less serious injuries, or do you, do you, not, do you not pay attention to that? Yeah, I mean, I, I notice, I, you know, there's always jokes being made from guys. And, um, you know, there are some, you know, like I have a buddy that, uh, you know, that plays for the Twins who's a, who's a pitcher, uh, you know, Phil Hughes, and, you know, we always go back and forth a little bit about Joe Carroll, about what guys can play through in different sports. But, um, you know, I, I don't try and uh, judge too much just because, you know, every sport's different. And, you know, there's there's different uh, there's different things you have to do in different sports that, you know, pain tolerance or whatever it may be. But, you know, I, I do know that hockey players are, I think, are one of the toughest guys in sports just because of uh, – you know the you know the grind that we go through during the regular season, and then you know even more so the grind you go through in the playoffs. So I think uh, you know it's it just shows a lot about guys and you know in hockey and in you know and in the NHL what they're you know what they're willing to go through to win the Stanley Cup. So you you called them out, Phil Hughes. So now you have to give me an example. Like what happened? Did, did you know what did he miss a game with? And you said, "Come on, Phil, are you kidding me? Well, you got to give me a story here." Well, it wasn't. It wasn't per se him. I think it's just uh, you know we see an example of you know of a guy. You know, I, I think a couple of years ago or whatever it was, it was I think it was a baseball player that missed a game due to a sunburn. Um, <laughs> I think that that was the case. So I, I was I was joking around him about that. Uh, so you know, I, I don't think you'll see I don't think you'll see a hockey player miss a game due to a sunburn. So. No, I, I don't think you'll see that either. Uh, speaking with Anaheim Ducks forward Nate Thompson, he joins me over the phone line right now, presented by Violent Gentlemen. So, Nate, uh, what's this summer going to be like for you? Strictly rehab? I mean, take me into the life of an NHL player, an injured NHL player who just had surgery, and you say the recovery, you know, it's only a number of five, but it is what I'm reading, five to six months. I mean, what is the off season like for someone like yourself right now? Yeah, for me, it's, uh, yeah, it is. I mean, it's a lot of rehab. It's going to be, um, it's going to be boring at times, but, uh, you know, I do what I got to do. Uh, it's, you know, it's going to be a, a recovery that I have to take care of and I have to make sure that I do right. And, uh, so it's good. Yeah. It's going to be a lot of rehab and it's going to be, 
you know, some training with that, but, uh, for the most part, it's just, you know, trying to get his shoulder hundred percent and, you know, and come back, you know, during the season when, uh, you know, when I'm ready and, and you know, I'm hundred percent and I'm flying, I'm ready to, you know, ready to rock. Did you, did you watch the Stanley cup final? I mean, you guys, obviously you, we know you went to the Western conference finals, you lost to the Blackhawks, the Blackhawks, you know, the par- the parade is today. They're hoisting the cup today. Did you watch the finals between your former team, the Lightning, and the Chicago Blackhawks? Uh, I didn't watch every game. And the games that I did watch, I didn't watch the whole thing. Um, but I, you know, I followed a little bit. Uh, it was it was a heck of a series. It was both really good teams. And, you know, it could have gone either way. But, you know, the Chicago Blackhawks are the Chicago Blackhawks. You know, they, you know, they find a way to win. They... They're an experienced team. They've been there, and um, you know, I think when you say the Chicago Blackhawks, it's kind of self-explanatory. Yeah. Do other players, the players around the league, call them? A, I mean, can we call them a dynasty? Like, can I call the Blackhawks a dynasty right now? And do players around the league feel like they are a dynasty? I mean, I, I think that's one of those things where um, I, I think they're pretty darn close, or if not, you know, I, you know, I think in in this cap era and, um, you know, how hard it is to win and the, you know, the parody in the league, uh, to win three times in six years is, uh, is really impressive. I mean, uh, I don't know if many teams are going to be able to do that in the future. So, um, if they're not a dynasty, they're really close. They're right, they're, they're right on the cusp because, you know, I think when you look at dynasties and you look at, you know, the Islanders and Edmonton Oilers and teams like that, that, you know, one consecutive years, uh, you know, three, four years in a row. And I think in that sense, you know, there's no question there's a dynasty. So I think all those things, you know, how, you know, how do you define a dynasty? But uh, I, I think they're, they're pretty darn close. And if not, they are. <laughs> so have you thought back to that series against the Blackhawks? I mean, have you thought about maybe what could have went differently for you guys? What was the biggest difference in that series in the Western Conference Finals? Well, I, you know, I think, uh, you know, we, we started pretty well that series and, you know, I thought we had control of the series for, you know, for the most part, you know, and, uh, we, we had a lot of opportunities to, uh, you know, to close it out, but, uh, you know, you gotta give the Blackhawks credit, you know, they, you know, they're a team that, you know, they know how to get out of holes and know how to, you know, you know, they know how to win hockey games when they have to. And, uh, you know, I thought, uh, you know, we kind of, we kind of fizzled as the series went on and, you know, they got better. And, uh, you know, you, you know, you just got to give a lot of credit to them and tip their hats to them because, you know, they, you know, they got better and, you know, we didn't. And, you know, there's times that we could have, you know, we could have closed them out and we could have, uh, you know, we could have a better fate, but, uh, you know, that's the way it goes. And, you know, we, you know, we have to learn from it and, you know, come back, you know, come back next year and, and, uh, you know, use that and, and hopefully go for another good playoff run. You said you didn't watch the entire Stanley Cup Finals, but but do players who, who are no longer in it, or, or, or even if during years that maybe you know you didn't get close, do you find yourself going out of your way to watch the Cup celebration, like just to use that as motivation? Because I try to put myself all the time in the skates of well, not just try. I mean, look, I, I'm not in the NHL, never had a shot at the NHL, but I grew up playing hockey, and I could tell you Nate that I wake up every day as depressed as could possibly be, that I'm never going to have a chance to win the Stanley Cup. So I feel like if I was in the NHL, I would sort of watch the Cup celebration to use it as motivation. 
Did you do that? Have you done that in the past? What's that like? Yeah, I, I do usually watch the, uh, you know, the Stanley Cup when it's brought out on the ice and it's, you know, as presented to the captain. Um, yeah, I think it's one of those things in, in hockey and, and in sports that's extremely rare and uh, I don't think there's anything like it in any in any other sport. And it just, it's just such a special moment and in our sport, I feel like that, uh, you know, you can't, you know, you can't duplicate. And, you know, I do always usually watch just because it's, it's so incredible to me. And, uh, I usually get pretty emotional every time I do watch it. Uh, and I do use it. I, I think it's, that's, that's the ultimate dream. That's the ultimate goal for every, every guy that plays hockey. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're three years old or if you're, you know, if you're 30 years old, uh, it's just one of those things where, you know, you, you work your whole life, uh, you know, to play in the NHL. And, you know, once you get there, it, it, then the goal is, 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 to, is to win the Stanley Cup and nothing else matters. And to me, there, there is nothing else that matters. Uh, you know, you know, when we start next year, it's, it's all about the process. It's all about, you know, uh, you know, making the playoffs. And once you make the playoffs, it's all about trying to win the Stanley Cup. So, you know, watching that, um, it's definitely motivation. Uh, it's definitely motivation enough to, uh, you know, to come back this year and, you know, and want to hoist that big well, shiny look, thing. <laughs> yeah, well, well, look, I hope you get it one day. And it's not just because you're on this show. It's also because, you know, you're a former Bruin, you know. So um, I, 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 I hope you get it. So, uh, but, but, you know, before you go into next season, there's some decisions your team needs to make, but maybe not just your team. Uh, some of your teammates. Are you in Matt Bolesky's ear at all, right? He's a free agent. Uh, you're under contract in a couple of years, but Matt Bolesky, uh, he had a couple big goals here in the playoffs. You in his ear at all, telling him to stick around? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's you know, that's up to Matt, and then that's up to, uh, you know, Bob Murray. You know, they have to work things out. Uh, you know, if, if I had it my way, I would love to have him here, and I, I hope he stays, but... So there's a business side of, uh, of everything, and Matt's got to do what's best for him, and uh, the Dutch organization's got to do what's best for them. So, I mean, it's one of those things they have to work out, and uh, we'll see. But I, I, I really do hope he's back. All right, Nate. Uh, thanks a lot. Great stuff. Uh, wish you the best of luck, and uh, uh, get that shoulder rested for next season, all right? All right. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. All right. Thank you. All right. Nice job right there by Nate Thompson. Anaheim Ducks forward, uh, wish him the best in his recovery from shoulder surgery. And there's obviously plenty of time to talk hockey. The NHL draft is going to be a week from tomorrow, so a week from Friday. Um, But the Blackhawks celebrate with the Cup today. With hockey over, with basketball over, I'm more focused on baseball and the actual games that are taking place. And tonight, Clay Buckholtz on the mound for the Red Sox against Shelby Miller for the Atlanta Braves. This is going to be a tough one for the Sox. And, um, you know, I, I when I look at what Shelby Miller brings to the table this season, here are the numbers. 5-2 and two record in 13 starts with a 2.02 ERA, 61 strikeouts compared to 27 walks in 84 and two-thirds innings. Uh, Shelby Miller has allowed two runs or fewer in 10 of his 13 starts this season, and he has a 1.5 ERA in five home starts. So the Red Sox, who I assume will have David Ortiz in the lineup 
playing first base tonight against the righty. Um, he was out of the lineup last night against the lefty. He pinch hit late, but it didn't matter because the Red Sox lost. Uh, Clay Buckholz is on the mound tonight, and uh, Buckholz has now given up eight runs and 18 hits in a pair of, you know, I, I don't want to call them terrible outings because they weren't, uh, but since June 2nd, in which he went eight shutout innings against the Twins, this is Buckholz, he's had two not-so-good outings in which he's given up, as I mentioned, eight runs on 18 hits. So... I, I I never know what to get from Buckholz. He had a stretch in which he was very good, and then his last two outings have not been great. Um, uh, if I'm gonna give, I think that uh, this one could have Atlanta Braves win written all over it. And are you gonna be surprised? I know I won't. I know I won't. Shelby Miller, he was part of that Jason Haywood deal. Shelby Miller came over from the Cardinals. Haywood goes over to the Cardinals. Haywood actually has had two better months. Uh, he's hit he hit two eighty four in the month of May. And he's hit 289 uh, now in the month of June, midway through. Haywood, 257 on the season, five home runs, 19 RBIs. It's a contract year for him, so I don't mind that trade for the St. Louis Cardinals. And if you're the Braves, you're getting the best out of 24-year-old Shelby Miller. Again, 2.02 ERA, and he's even better at home. So this tonight, to me, this smells like another Red Sox loss. Another Red Sox loss coming your way. The Red Sox before they head to Kansas City for a weekend series in which Eddie Rodriguez versus Jordano Ventura. How about that matchup tomorrow night, Friday night? That, that I'll be I'll watch that. I'll be I'll be way more excited for that game uh, than I am tonight. Buckholz and watch Shelby Miller shut down the Red Sox offense. Right? That's I mean that's the way it's going to go down. I'll break down this Red Sox game tomorrow. Buckholt, Shelby, Miller tonight, and any other news that breaks. Also, day one of the U.S. Open. Uh, whatever happens here, I will also break that down um, and react to it on tomorrow's podcast. Special thanks to Nate Thompson. Again, make sure you go to violentgentleman.com right now. It's George Paris's clothing line. Some great stuff there. Uh, I'm rocking the T-shirts all the time. We'll be doing a giveaway soon, but make sure in the meantime, you go to violentgentleman.com right now. I'm out. Talk to you tomorrow.